0: Hello and welcome to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host along with my wife Janet and producer and today we have Tammy Nolan from Choice Health and Wellness in the studio and we will be talking about many subjects including fertility and HRT and functional medicine and um, her practice and how she helps patients. Um, first, I'd like to go into a little bit and just thank our listeners and viewers for tuning in. Today is Tuesday, unlike most, we stream mostly on Mondays, but yesterday was President's Day. Happy President's Day. And so you can catch us live every Monday. Um, 1 to 2 p.m. at a.m. 1470 KBSN. We also stream live on the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacies YouTube site and um, Sean Needham, my personal Facebook page. So we are also on podcast forums. So Google Podcasts, um, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, um, all those podcast forms. So we are archived there along with YouTube. So um, check it out, S- subscribe, and give us a review. Um, I'd also like to talk. Most of you have been following me on the um, on the radio show regarding my book. I'd like to talk a little bit about my book. Um, my book is called Sickened: How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. Um, it is on Amazon Kindle right now only. I'm working on an audio version and also working on a on a hard copy version. Hopefully by the end of the year, I will have those out. Um, it is was a number one seller on Amazon. And we want to continue that trend. So we are going to talk about a little bit about it every week here for a while. Um, Let me read to you a quote from the book from chapter two. Um, The problem to chapter two, the problem today. Uh, Whenever one segment of an economy exhibits year after year inflation above the general rate, and when there is a constraint on supply, then either a cartel is in operation or there is a lack of price transparency or both, as is the case with American medical care. John Steele, Steele Gordon, he starts off chapter two in my book. Think about that um, quote. Think about it really deeply. And if you wonder why our health care system is expensive, um, look at it that way. Doesn't ha- Look at that statement. doesn't have to be that way. There are solutions in my book, Sickened, How the Government Ruined Health Care and How to Fix It. Go to Amazon and download it. With that, we are going to go um, directly into our guest today, and um, I'm going to welcome Tammy Nolan. Tammy Nolan, welcome to the studio. How are you?
1: I'm doing really well, Sean. Thanks for inviting me, Janet. I really appreciate it. This is a lot of fun.
0: Yes, so we, we love doing our show, and thank you for for, um, for agreeing. We, we, we really enjoy this. So, what... Let's just start with an intro with you. Just introduce yourself.
1: Sure, um, my name is Tammy. I'm a nurse practitioner here in Moses Lake. And where'd I, you go
0: to elementary school? Uh, I'm just uh, I
1: just, yeah, I
0: was going to say that actually.
1: I actually grew up in Eufrata, and that's nice. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I went I, look to, look to look Columbia Ridge Elementary. <laughs> um, so yeah, grew up here, uh, moved away for um, our my husband's career and our schooling, and then decided to have children and we like actually live downtown Seattle or or close to the downtown. And we're like, you know what, we don't want to raise our kids in Seattle. Um, and so we started looking for a good opportunity for both of our careers actually just in the, um, Northwest and we landed back here at home and it's been a great fit. So that's kind of my past. And then, uh, my present is, is I run a, um, a wellness clinic and it's different because we really focus on, um, Tracking your symptoms or your problems backwards to the root cause and then moving forwards to allow the body to do as much as it can on its own. And sometimes that's with lifestyle changes, sometimes it's prescriptions, sometimes it's supplements, but we, we do everything we can to promote wellness. So, um, actual health care.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. Not sick care. I love it. We, and we at mostly professional pharmacy love working with practices like yours because we just feel it's the future of healthcare and it makes such a difference in people's lives. So, you know, thank you for, for, um, you know, being out there with patients and doing this. So we appreciate it. So, um, let's talk about, you, you mentioned, you didn't mention in your history that you did work as a. As a um, nurse in a fertility clinic, is that correct?
1: Right. I've had a, a lot of different path, um, past lives as a registered nurse, um, and the probably the largest portion was in women's health, and that being fertility, um, and then also labor and delivery, and, and um, just basic OBGYN care, but the longest in fertility. And I really was my passion. Um, that is part of my passion, uh, but it's, um, complicated. So I kind yeah. of got a little burnout, but I still do some at the clinic, yeah. not quite so intense.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your experiences as a fertility nurse.
1: So, uh, my experience as a fertility nurse is I was a lead nurse for a specialty center in, um, Seattle. And our job was to help with the intake of, of clients and managing their cycles once a doctor put together a protocol and stuff like that. A lot of it, and the burnout's not from the actual work. the burnout is from the emotional um, the emotional need that is required from that job of holding hands and listening and delivering great news, delivering bad news. Um, a lot of it's education. Does a client um, understand the process, you know, because if they don't understand, the ins and outs of a uh, menstrual cycle and the, how fertility works, then you can invest a lot of time and money and not get a, a good outcome or a pregnancy. So a lot of it really is just, um, what I actually do best at and it's listening and adapting my care to each individual.
0: That's awesome to hear. So how has that working in the fertility clinic, how has it let you segue into what you do now, um, with fertility to help at all?
1: It, it, it does because I know the, the real basics of fertility and i know it really well i could even say that uh, you know expert at the basic stuff and just with the years of education in that realm making sure that you can um explain to somebody how the basic cycles work it's amazing how many um people i always call like the magic doors of fertility that as soon as you schedule an appointment you're pregnant that month and sometimes it's just the reassurance that someone's going to listen to you and also the know-how of you know how to conceive a lot of um men and women aren't aware of just how the physiological physiologically that works like when is the right time to a woman's cycle how long does an egg live how long does a sperm live what can affect the health of either of those things um you know uh testing that can be done and it's really important um the testing on what part of the cycle a lot of times people come to me like "Well, i've had this testing done and i'm like well where were you at in your menstrual cycle and it's unknown and some of the testing is actually irrelevant so, uh, I'm able to actually do a lot of the groundwork where people don't have to go to a fertility center. Um, and typically, uh, you know, I charge, you know, 185 for that type of visit. Um, and then the testing might run 40 or $50 where the same kind of visit a fertility center is probably upward to 700. So, uh, I like it like that cause I can get them started and then I know when to let go. I know, yeah. you know, three months into it and you're 38, you need to go on or, you know, six months into it and you're 25, I'm like, let's keep trying. So I know when to send them on to a specialist.
0: Right. right. That's awesome. Well thanks for sharing that story. So you talked a little bit about um you get to the root, the root problem instead of just treating symptoms in more of a wellness model. So I think the latest buzzword, so to speak, is functional medicine. Um, Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Uh, so I would like to tell you my story of how I um, got into functional medicine. I would love to it's hear your story, 30. please. It's my personality to a T. It's kind of silly. It's kind of a hot mess. So um, so I'm a family nurse practitioner. Um, so I take care of anybody from, well, I personally choose from two years old, um, just because uh, infants really require a lot of know-how in their development, up to 99. I think my oldest client is actually 104. So um when i started down this path of being a nurse practitioner that was this family medicine is going forward with that but i'm a woman so i tend to see more women and so i'm going to these medical conferences you know initially just family practice and then doing more women's health so then i go to a women's health specialized conference and then at the women's health conference i hear about this hormone um, hormone conferences and so i go to those uh, just trying to get more education and then i learn about these bioidentical hormones and I'm like, wow, that actually, with especially with Sean and Janet's help, really just lit my world on fire. I'm like, this is amazing. And it's actually making sure you have the right hormone for the right imbalance and the right dose and really personalized and customized. And I got thinking to myself, you know, why don't we do this for everything? You know, why don't we do this for high blood pressure instead of giving somebody, you know, lisinopril to drop their blood pressure 10 points? Why don't we stabilize their blood pressure and then try to figure out what what caused it is it just genetic and you're just stuck with it or was there something you can do to improve it so i started reading about stuff and pulling out my old school books and pathophysiology and trying to get back like walk it back to like even an organ or systems function and then i was talking to another provider actually dr hoey Mm-hmm. And Dr. Hori says, you should check out this, um, this group called IFM Institute for Functional Medicine. And I'm like, I've never heard of that. And he goes, Tammy, I think it's right up your alley. So I went to my first conference and I thought I invented something new. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm so smart. I go to the conference and it's been around for like 20 plus years. <laughs> this was 10 years ago too, mind you, or, or six years ago, right? Yeah. I thought, I'm like, I am amazing, but yeah, it's actually been around um, the Institute for functional medicine, that's where I get my accreditation from. It's been around for 20 years, the functional medicine. Um, when people ask me like how to explain it, make it simplified, you do what your grandma told you to do, you know, when you're sick and she says, eat some chicken soup, get some rest, go take a bath. Um, you know, it's honestly allowing your body to heal for itself. So like if we stick with fertility, A lot of times with fertility, you think, okay, well, I'm not having a baby. I'm going to jump to this medication. Well, I want to know why aren't you having a baby? So look at hormone imbalances in regards to the normal female cycle. You can look at um, pain that can cause infertility. You can look at mental health. You can look at um, the endocrine system. So if you're insulin resistant or metabolic syndrome or polycystic ovarian syndrome, all of these things are intertwined. It's like um, the world's most complicated Venn diagram. They all involve insulin. they all involve hormones. They involve your kidneys and the receptors. It's, it's complicated, but as you can kind of peel back the layers of that and try to figure out what, where you can approach it to get the best outcome. And that's true for um, everything. It's true for thyroid. It's true for blood pressure. It's true for diabetes. A lot of times you're not going to be able to reverse the process or, or, or cure the process, if you will. But a lot of times you can balance the process and have someone take less medications or less supplements were the same outcome so that's really uh that's kind of what functional medicine is in actually a big nutshell
0: but yeah there you go so you talked about certification isn't there different modules you can get certified in is that correct that's correct so So, are you certified in any of them yet um i'm not
1: i'm actually what's called a um I forgot what I'm called. <laughs> uh, there's I'm a called name Tim. for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm called Tim. <laughs> so I am getting um, certified uh, through the Institute of Functional Medicine. And you have to finish all six modules. And then you have to do a case study. And you have to do boards. So I have to do boards again. I've already done that several times in my life. Sounds like fun. It's not. I'm dreading it. <laughs> it's in November. So, um, yeah. So, uh that will happen in November and then I'll become um, certified. And so that just means I could add extra letters behind my name, but it also means that from head to toe, I have um, gone to conferences learned and been, been tested about some basic um, functional medicine, medicine stuff and actually back down to the cellular level on um, how these different systems work in, independently
0: and together. That's awesome. So back on fertility a little bit. Um, so what is that? what is the simplest thing that you've seen that may have been missed by either conventional providers or even infertility providers that is the simplest hormone to fix when it comes to fertility
1: so the simplest hormone to fix when it comes to fertility is progesterone um tried and true uh, without a doubt and i've seen that as uh, my practice as a fertility nurse in seattle and i see it here um, women come in, um, and honestly, these appointments, I usually end up in tears and they end up in tears because they've had a history of, um, heavy bleeding, uh, menstrual headaches, um, miscarriages, usually more than two. I-, I think at two, honestly, in my world, the red flag goes up, but a lot of worlds, it doesn't go up until they have five or more. Wow. So, wow. uh, you know, two or more miscarriages. So all that tells me, um, just looking at a piece of paper, And listening to someone's story is that they could have what's called estrogen dominance or luteal phase deficiency is kind of interchangeable words where that ratio of progesterone to estrogen is out of balance. So estrogen grows the uterine lining where the fetus is going to implant progesterone stabilizes it um, and the progesterone only occurs after ovulation so uh, if you don't have a good ratio the lining will um, slop off at the time of menses or time of your period regardless if you've had implantation or not and so you have a lot of early miscarriages the interesting thing is i'm not sure but you know let's that... continue that we need oh.
0: to go commercial break, okay let's continue that conversation about progesterone you are listening to health solutions with sean and janet needham We will be back in just a few minutes. Hello and welcome back to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. If you missed the first segment, we have Tammy Nolan in the office with us. And we were talking about fertility. And specifically, when we left off in the first segment, we were talking about progesterone. Tammy had to cut you off early. Sorry. Um, That's okay. Keep going.
1: So... um about the progesterone being, um, low in that in the luteal phase and how it supports the endometrium or the uterine lining where the, um, the fetus implants. Um, it, the, one of the stats that I know, I'm not sure if you know this stat is that 25% of pregnancies end in early miscarriage that you're not even aware of because of that function. Yeah, I
0: didn't know that high. I knew yeah, it was it's
1: high, 25%. Yeah. So one out of four uh, mis- pregnancies end in miscarriage, uh, because of that deficiency. A lot of times they're, uh, pregnancies that you didn't even know were there. Um, it might be just uh, your periods a few days late or a little heavier than usual, but it's a pretty significant improvement you can make actually with uh, minimal testing, minimal cost, and minimal intervention. But you asked me what was one of the key things hormonally you can point out. One of the other key things that I point that I find that I can help a lot of people with is just timing. Um, and it, people just don't know when to have intercourse at the right times uh and it's really important some people feel like if they're trying to get pregnant they're going to do it three or four times a day which actually decreases your your um success rate uh, or every day and there's other ways you can uh, time it out and that's actually key when i go through that and i write out the calendar and i put little check marks what you know have intercourse here here and mm-hmm. here they're like i had no idea we've been you know because you need time for them sperm to regroup and, you know, you need to be in the right time in regards to ovulation and that certain window. And, and just knowing that is a uh, valuable information. And, you know, a lot of people don't have sexual education other than what's given in high school. And, you know, they don't talk about how to get pregnant in high school. <laughs> right. They talk about how not to get pregnant. So, um, <laughs> so I do a lot of education. Right. <laughs>
0: well, thanks for sharing, you know, about progesterone. One thing that I I'll teach, um, students or or anybody um, when i'm talking about hormones is think about when it comes to fertility and progesterone think about what progesterone means think about what that name really means pro support or for gesterone gestation so um anybody that has any fertility type issues progesterone 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 right, right? for sure i mean that's one of the First things I think should be checked, and and one of the least expensive things too. So, so don't forget about that. So let's let's move on a little bit more to functional medicine. Um, you know, I think kind of what you were talking about. It, it's just interesting how really all the things you just listed about fertility. Right. Um, really, that's a functional medicine approach, right? Right. Correct. <laughs> um, so you, you talked about we talked talk about some other quote-unquote disease states that you know you you can approach with a functional medicine approach
1: well um i would say that my favorite um to approach is actually diabetes and heart disease um like for example the day i had some lab work in front of me and uh, some of the hormones were a little off kilter uh, glucose was a little off kilter so sugars so sugars Um, and the hormone just to be specific, it was DHEA in a woman. So if that is elevated, it's more apt that they have something called polycystic ovarian syndrome or hormone imbalance. Um, insulin levels were slightly elevated inflammatory levels were slightly elevated. And I was talking to this client and I said, you know what? It looks like that you could possibly be at risk for those things, PCOS, metabolic syndrome, insulin resistance, type two diabetes. And, um, and I just stated like that. didn't think about it. And then she called back and had some questions about it and didn't realize that um, she wasn't used to having a forward looking approach. It was like someday, like if you don't take care of this, someday this could occur to you. And I gave her some know-how to to hopefully fix it. She thought it was a current diagnosis. And she said, well, I don't have it now. Do it." And I said, well, no. And then I had to explain to her. I don't look at labs as this moment right now in your life. I look at labs and say, well, can this tell us about your future? What can we do to help prevent that? Um, Or what does this tell us about your past and how can we go back and maybe change the story a little bit? So moving forward, you have the best outcome possible because type two diabetes in America really primarily is a lifestyle choice there are some people that is genetic um and that you, i can't fix that obviously but lifestyle choices if you see it common before it hits the fan it's going to be a lot easier to turn that bus around you know if you yeah so so we do a lot of that um you know talking about diet choices um diets are honestly something that i do a lot of and it's really frustrating at the same time because people read a book um, keto this, paleo that, whole foods, you know, grapefruit diet, you know, stewed cabbage, and and the funny thing is, is it all comes down to to carbs. It all it really comes down to the carbohydrates and the appropriate ratio of protein to fats. Um, and the diet is only as good as the person is actually willing to do it. Uh, and so we customize a lot of our diet plans, and it's just based off of um, what I think a client is willing to do, what's going to be best for long term health um and what is affordable for them and so we kind of marry out several diets together uh and to help with that but managing your carbs um so that your body isn't as exposed to as much insulin because that exposure actually causes inflammation which causes the body to release more glucose which causes the need for more insulin and it's, it, a, it's vicious a vicious type. circle but i think a lot of people don't realize that 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 insulin is going to cause you to need more insulin. So if you can cut back your exposure to carbs, um, you can decrease your risk of type two diabetes.
0: Absolutely. And let, let, let's expand on that a little bit. We, we've talked a lot on this radio show about diets and I appreciate you mentioning all those diets and basically what you're, it sounds like you're doing is that no one diet fits anybody. No one diet fits anybody. Right. And that's what we've talked about over and over on this show. It, um, and, um, you know, carbs, if you listen to the last show, carbs are not necessarily bad. No, not at all. if you're You burning need them. them. If you're burning them.
1: Right. They are the uh, energy for yourself. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, but if you have too much, your, your body's going to say, "Well, this is some nice energy. I think I'll store it right here in this love handle."
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and and let's also remember too that no matter, I believe, no matter how much protein, no matter how much fat or how much or I should say no matter how little of protein, how little of fat, how little of carbs you eat. If you still eat an excess of calories, you will gain weight Um, in the long run. I think it's easier to eat certain foods and be satisfied better. But um, I think our body as an energy source looks at protein, protein, carbs, and as fuel. So they're going to use it whatever they can and ultimately they're going to turn into glucose eventually mm-hmm. to, to power the cell. Um, so we, we still have to be, we still have to talk about calories in and calories out. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, let's also talk about genetics. So something that's predis- predisp- predispositioned to have um, type 2 diabetes. Um, one thing that I, I wouldn't like as a person or, and I wouldn't I would want to accept and one thing I tell my patients is that we can't change our genes but we can change the way our genes are expressed. So. Just because we are predispositioned to have cardiovascular disease because our moms and dads did, or type 2 diabetes because our moms and dads did, that doesn't mean that we have to have it because we can change our lifestyles early, correct? you want to expand on that?
1: Yeah, so um, I see that a lot where someone has a family history of that and it's a crutch. It's like, well, I have a family history. There's no getting around it. Um, I'm just going to take a pill. Well, you know, at some point for some people, it, it is a genetic fault and they can't get around it but for the most part if you watch your hormones and your labs you can kind of steer away from that so again like the exposure to insulin creates more insulin if you know that you, know, you have a family history but then just don't go down that road like just start cleaning up your diet now um because it does change the the dna expressions because the you know it, just like um with different diets like energy is is um, with well, the food we eat, if you go to keto, your body changes its drive and uses fat for energy, um, for the cells versus carbs. Um, and then, so it, it's, the genes will change their expression. Um, Absolutely. That's a good example. Yeah.
0: That's a fast, a pretty fast example too. And think about what our genes can do long-term to prevent right. disease. You know, if our genes can, um, you know, turn on and off to help metabolize fat versus glucose, that's a great example, Tammy. I, right. I like that. Well,
1: that's what we talk about in functional medicine a lot. You know, the telomeres, the um, ends of the DNA strands, that's kind of where the zipper, I always tell see people, there's a little zipper. Um, that's where the zipper connects. Um, and those get broken over time because they they divide, replicate, divide, replicate. You know, and those telomeres get, get damaged. And so then your gene expression changes because you've damaged a little bit of the DNA. But they get damaged because of inflammation. A, you know, insulin or heart disease or joint disease or whatever the inflammation is from, it, it's going to cause a damage or free radical damage. So that's one thing. One another way you can change a DNA or a um, gene sequence, if you will, is look at ways that damage that those DNA strands, like again, inflammation and free radicals and, and take that approach.
0: And we can still repair that, right? The yeah, approach, you can, repair, we can still that. repair that. right? With, with proper diet. Right, right, and, right. and, and, and
1: the proper your- you know proteins and the balance and you know all that kind of good stuff, amino acids. Yeah, you can you can help those little guys along the way. Okay. And I have a six-year-old uh, winter coat that the zipper has been completely chewed up, and you're like, oh my goodness! If you were a DNA strand, buddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, that's a really good one. So you talk about diabetes, and of course, diabetes is um, one of the things that increases the risk for cardiovascular disease. Um, so talk about a little bit about cardiovascular disease and and prevention and how that would, how we would do that with a functional medicine approach.
1: Okay. So, um, I'm going to take a step back and I tell people a lot of times when you come and see me at my office, um, I can't take care of you by looking through a peephole in the door you know, that's going to give me a one centimeter circle of um, what I can see in your world. Uh, And so we have to open the door up. And so when you say diabetes is um, a risk factor for cardiovascular disease, it's not that elevated blood sugars is a risk factor. It's the inflammation that occurs from the insulin, the high um, sugars uh, from the bad food choices if you will the medications well that inflammation then crosses over into your cardiovascular um, system as well but it also crosses over into your brain it crosses over into your lungs when you stub your toe your white blood cells get a signal that there's an injury and they all have little walkie-talkies because they're buddies so um that little injury then everyone gets turned on to we got to take care of it so all your white blood cells get the same signal of inflammation to heal because um, inflammation is important for healing. But so when you have diabetes and your insulin and sugars is out of balance, you're going to get a systemic inflama- inflammatory process. So then it's going to affect your brain and your heart. So what happens in the vascular system is when it's exposed to inflammation, the vessel walls... Um, become inflamed and when they become inflamed the little spacing between the actual cells themselves it become larger and then the bad cholesterol or the ldl can fit under that that lining and build up a plaque so that process itself is not too bad like okay that's that's fine you know yay for you sorry that's happening but you'll you'll live through that the problem is, is when the inflammation gets so bad that that plaque eventually ruptures, and um, the red blood cells run to that area to help with that damage, and the white blood cells and macrophages and all these kinds of great goodies that live inside of us. Then you get a clot. You can throw a plaque as a clot, or you can throw the blood blood cells as a clot, and then you have, you know, a, that's a problem. Yeah, you have a stroke or a heart, a heart attack, attack. Yeah. and it all boils down to inflammation. Right. Um, but that's, yeah, but you have to open the door to health. You can't look at it through people. You're going to miss a lot.
0: Yeah. That's, I think that's functionalized approach. And So speaking of inflammation, um, where does cholesterol fit into this?
1: Well, cholesterol, um, I, I probably, I'm not sure I want to tell you my opinion on there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will. I've said it many times, and I'll tell you again. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be brave and I'll
1: say it. Um, I like cholesterol. It, it doesn't bother me. Um, I think it's really important. Uh, it, it is the beginning molecule of our hormones. Um, it's what keeps our brain protected. Um, we need cholesterol. I don't usually panic about a high cholesterol until you start seeing. So
0: but... let's let's <clears> elaborate <throat> on that. What do you mean a high cholesterol? 201?
1: No, I don't. You just start panicking until it's like 250. Okay. Um, And I wouldn't even say a panic. I don't raise my eyebrow until it's 250. Um, But cholesterol is cholesterol. That's like saying, um, well, I see the dipstick in this engine. The engine must be good. We didn't bother to look, you know, is there any oil in it? Is it actually, you know, is there actually a transmission connected to it? You know, you're just looking at one thing. So again, the peephole thing. So when you're looking at your cholesterol, you have um, different measurements you can take. So you have triglycerides, which are fatty acids, HDL, the high-density lipids, um, LDL, low-density lipids. you got to know which ones are the bad guys and which ones are the good guys. Um, And, you know, if you have one good guy and 10 bad guys, even though it's the best good guy ever, the ratio is out of balance. So you want to make sure that HDL is um, in a good ratio to your LDL, but you can also look at their quality So this is what I do a lot is instead of just checking the total amount, I look at the particle sizes. So cholesterol is a particle. And so uh, if the HDL is large, then it is more apt to break down the LDL. So you want large HDL particles and you can check that. It's really simple. Um, uh, It's really inexpensive. I think our expanded panel that checks all the bells and whistles is 110. Amazing. Uh, But it checks the particles and the inflammation. Apolipoprotein A. Right. It checks the... All the things that are occurring to cause the um, cholesterol to break down, but then the LDL, the bad cholesterol, the, the low-density lipids. If you have um, a lot of particles of those, it's not necessarily all bad. It's their size. So you want to look at the particle size on that one too, because if they're small, then they can fit into that vascular that vascular lining easier and form a plaque. So you want them, um, you know, not to be the, the inappropriate size either. Yeah. And then these different markers you can do, it's going to tell you if your body is breaking down cholesterol, is there a lot of oxidization happening, you know, um, a lot of um, rusting of the cholesterol, if you will, as the body's breaking it down because that's going to cause inflammation. Um, You can look at a lot of stuff. And so instead of just telling somebody, well, you need to exercise three days a week, cut out red meat um, and take this pill, you can say specifically, you know what, you personally need to take omega-3s, you need to take an anti-inflammatory and you need to add whole grains or fiber, or something right. to help with this process, and you don't need a pill. Be more or, personalized. Or um, I'll give you six months to turn this this boat around, or we'll add a pill. That's what I usually do, is I say, I give them a time frame, you know, make some improvements, or we do need to add a prescription.
0: Well, and speaking of pills, the, you know, the, the average, the usual thing that we prescribe is are statins, HMG-chloridexase inhibitors, which helps to decrease the rate limiting step in cholesterol synthesis, which I like that you talk about cholesterol is not bad necessarily. Cholesterol, we will die without it. Cholesterol is very necessary. I think that we, you know, I think cholesterol, you know, with the cardiovascular marker may be an incident of, may be a measure of inflammation in itself. Possibly. Yeah, it does. What's going on there? You know, so it's more of the inflammation and cholesterol is just a marker of that. I think one thing to think about is what about you know why do a lot of people, whether it be a male in his 40s or a female in their 40s, why does cholesterol all of a sudden increase in their 40s or 50s when their cholesterol's been fine for the first 30 years of their life? You know, I think that's always an interesting story, and I think we're going to talk about that in the next segment because we got to wrap we got to wrap this segment up. So we're we're wrapping up segment two. You were with Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham um we will be back in a couple of minutes hello and welcome back to the last segment of health solutions with sean and janet needham just talking to tammy nolan during the break and boy these segments go fast tammy it's just such a great wealth of knowledge i appreciate you being here and, and sharing your expertise tammy this is awesome awesome conversation and our viewers and listeners are going to love it so we're talking about cholesterol we're talking about um why all of a sudden was somebody's cholesterol fine for 35 years of their life and then you know in their 40s or 50s that it that it that it gets it it um is high all of a sudden so one of my theories and i i hope you can expand on this um and actually a great doctor taught me this once is that you know maybe because you talked about um cholesterol being the backbone of our hormones we cannot make our sex hormones anyway we cannot make any of our sex hormones without cholesterol it's got a cholesterol backbone So maybe when our hormones start to decline in our forties, our body's starting to store cholesterol to try to produce more hormones. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I'm glad you you said that your theory, because mine's just a theory too. (laughs) (laughs) But this is what I think. I think as our hormones are depleting, I never thought about your body storing more, but um, the body is able to take out cholesterol molecules and, um, as needed to help support other systems. So you can take down cholesterol, break it down to different, um, kind of brain loss there. I believe it's proteins to help, uh, break down other cholesterol molecules. That's how HDL breaks down the LDL, um, but my, my theory is, is as our hormones are depleting, the cholesterol being the first molecule in the backbone of a hormone is the body is going to say, you know, I really need some testosterone or I really need some estrogen or um, DHE or whatever. And it's going to pull that out of the system and make what it, it needs, but you're going to have extras floating around. That's what, that's kind of my thought is right. that okay. th- there could be your body is utilizing it more. So if you, if it needs it, it's going to be in your bloodstream. And so when you test for it, it's going right. to be high, Right. but also with the hormones depleting as we age, you can definitely see your body would store it, um, but you have to don't want to forget about the adrenal gland and what it might require as we age and are under stress, and it requires um, carbs and um, different. Uh, minerals and so you know that's another thought is like possibly you're putting on more cholesterol because the adrenal gland is is overworked and tired and it's just wants to get some stores built up for future because you know it's responsible for the fight or flight so if you've got to hunker in a, a foxhole for a while and maybe you need that cholesterol so you've got some fat you know so you can survive through something i don't know there's a lot of good theories but um i do see it too and i i do find that if someone comes in and their focus may not be cholesterol it tends to improve when we um, balance hormones and we also uh, help with their uh, stress management
0: absolutely absolutely that's so very important so let's i I like the functional medicine approach and i think the typical approach to cholesterol or let's face it the reason that cholesterol anti-cholesterol medications are prescribed the statins that i was talking about earlier is to prevent cardiovascular disease right and but I think what's interesting, and, and, and Janet is the one that brings this up over and over to patients, and um, you know, statins have been out for 30 years now. And um, cardiovascular disease is on the rise in America, number one killer of men and women, um, and it's not getting better. So my thought is whatever we're doing with statins it's not working
1: well statins um help with cholesterol they don't help with inflammation so if you can't get the inflammation down in your vascular walls the plaques are still going to build up you're still going to have heart disease so it in my opinion statins are just going to help kind of um a symptom at the moment and i don't usually They're
0: put out the fire for the moment
1: Right. Right. Yeah. But it's like, you know, you're in Australia during those wildfires and you see a little clump of grass and you step on it. And you're like, "Ah, got it. Look at me. I'm awesome. And the whole world is burning behind you. You're like, well, that really wasn't the cause of the fire. But good job. So I don't typically use statins unless someone's not responding to lifestyle management and other cholesterol options first, because uh, statins are really uncomfortable and it causes muscle breakdowns. And, um, and again, it, it's it's taking care of a symptom. Um, and yeah, typically I don't use them unless I just can't get movement with other things.
0: Yeah, I'm not a fan of statin. I would never take a statin myself, would never recommend one to my immediate family. I just think the whole cardiovascular disease picture is a lot different than just taking a statin. And I think they're, I just think they're well, way overutilized and way over prescribed because cholesterol is just a very, very small piece of the puzzle. So speaking of, um, let's segue into, well, so why let's talk about that. Why is that? You, you take a functional medicine approach. I I can say that from, you know, my patients that have had um, heart attacks, it doesn't seem like their cardiologist discusses some of the stuff that you talk about. So why is that?
1: That it, that's, um, that's a good can of orange juice.
0: (laughs) I know that's why we're here. That's why we have a radio show. Well, um,
1: (laughs) it, it boils down to statistics. Uh, tried and true statistics so if we prescribe statins to people who have high um, cholesterol and we prescribe lisinopril to people who have diabetes the stats statistics show that we are apt to save the majority of people
0: lisinopril to people that have hypertension correct? yeah because this also protects okay. the kidney so oh for diabetes hyper- for diabetes and, for, yeah for so
1: a lot of times right. if you fit into the algorithm that's going to make the biggest change for the most people um, then you're fine. But the last time I looked, we all weren't gingerbread man at the same cookie cutter. So uh, that's how the majority of decisions are made is just algorithms. Um, and it's to serve, you know, the where can you make the biggest change to serve the most people or help the most people, but it's not, doesn't fit everybody. Um, and so that's actually a, a huge reason why I don't build insurance is that um, I don't have to follow an algorithm because um, insurance billing does bring you into like you have to do it um the way quote unquote evidence-based medicine is and these are the approved algorithms for cardiovascular disease or diabetes and stuff like that and if you don't follow them you're not going to get paid um, and so i really pride myself on being able to say oh, this is your program this is your plan we have these resources we can go to if we can't make a lifestyle change or modification in a certain time frame but um the reason why this functional medicine or basic nutrition, basic health stuff isn't talked about is it doesn't fit in the algorithm and it's also um you don't get paid for it. Right. You and have to get your talk done and you have to, you have to be able to code it. You have to oh. assign it a code of a something that's actually diagnosable and you also have to assign it a code on something that's actually billable.
0: And guess what? I was on a podcast a few weeks ago and this guy brought up this term um um healing is not a billable diagnosis code.
1: No, Think you would that. get paid less as someone billing insurance if all your clients were healthy. Yeah. Because there part. would be fewer visits, they'd right? be shorter visits, less in depth visits you get paid less.
0: The way our sick care system works, I know some people don't like hearing it, but the way it works is it really takes advantage of people being sick. They don't necessarily want their diabetes to get better, their hypertension to get better. And I know that sounds like a wild, wild comment to some people, but I really honestly believe it because you just look at the way the system's working. It's people aren't getting better.
1: I, I don't think that there's a provider out there that says I don't want them to get better. I think it's It's a culture that has developed over time and then having somebody with a monetary benefit to have people use their insurance or use their pharmaceutical products. I personally think that's the, the push or I, the rub.
0: T- I totally agree with to you, Tammy. It is nothing personal whatsoever. the providers right. that are in the system, they are stuck in the system. They're educated
1: in the system. They're yeah, working in I get the it. system. And I've they, been one of those. Yeah. You've been one of them.
0: I, I totally, totally get it. So um, I talked to, there's a doctor down at uh, the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, Dr. Keith Smith. And, you know, we've talked about a lot of these things. I, I went down there and toured it. And I've talked And I've interviewed him um he's on our youtube channel on this on the sickened playlist on our youtube channel the sickened is my book um again and we, he talked about how when he was in the system to play that system he felt like an accessory to the crime because that's just how we had to do it to get to get paid right yeah so um but there's a way out um, go to amazon look at my book sickened how the government ruined healthcare and how to fix it, and there are six steps in there on how to how to um, get out of the system. And as people, um, as patients, um, I feel one of my jobs with this radio show and writing a book is to educate and empower patients that they are in charge of their own health. And one of the solutions in that book is also healthcare providers like tammy Nolan, who helps people navigate. The, she's not in the system. Um, she helps people to navigate out of the system so they can get well and be empowered to, to take care of themselves. So I really, really appreciate it, Tammy. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. So let's talk a little about HRT um, hormone replacement therapy. We talked, we hit on a little bit with fertility. Um, I believe that HRT is, you know, is one of the biggest places that functional medicine can make an impact. Um, Janet and I have a, have a huge interest in HRT because we feel we've changed thousands of people's lives with it um you know all over the pacific northwest so tell us a little bit about how you how you um deal with hrt and your common hrt patient male and female go go sure so just uh, i wasn't sure if you said
1: it but hrt is hormone replacement therapy and a lot of times i take for granted um uh, what kind i prescribe and i actually only prescribe bioidentical the only time i'd ever prescribe a synthetic or a um uh, those are all kind of tag words because some of them, you know, it, not necessarily synthetic, but they're synthesized to be a close match for possibly working. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. They, they cause a lot of side effects. And I just tell people those types of birth, th- those types of hormones are really good for birth control. And that's about it. But if you're doing a hormone imbalance, you really need to Um And so, uh, yeah, I only prescribe bioidentical and sometimes I may not say that, but that's how I work. So When you're doing hormone replacement therapy, again, it's, there's no algorithm that I use. It's, um, experience. It's individualized. It's personalized. It's, um, the patient's goal, um, uh, where they're at in their life, where they want to be. Um, so you, the interesting thing with hormone levels is when you draw the blood for hormone levels, um, you know, it gives you this reference range, like, so menopausal women, anything less than 46 is normal. Um, That hasn't been studied to be like, okay, this is what you need to survive. It's just uh, an average. So they take women from puberty to death and they track their cycles. And well, this part of your cycle, you should be on average about here. It's not necessarily optimal. It's not necessarily the best thing for you. It's just an average. Um, So you fall on that average, you're normal, but you can still feel like crap and be normal. So I look at those and I say, okay, well, if average is 80% of the population, why can't I be an A plus and be the top 10%? So you don't want to go crazy and, you know, extend what's normal. You just want to optimize what is normal. But then again, normal is not always normal normal for everybody. So the example that I always use is um, testosterone. The reference range for testosterone is probably the biggest one out of all the hormones. Um, most uh, labs will use an assay or a reference range of 250. Um, and if you took age out of the... Uh, uh, the reference range and then up to like 1100 so 250 to 1100 so i usually tell people i want to shoot between 700 and 1100 for total testosterone um and see how you feel well uh i have done this and it, it didn't work well for everybody i look up this um hippie got him up to you know 950 and he felt terrible is too on too focused too much drive he loved it at 500 so you know what, then great. If that's your optimal, we'll take you right. to that. But then you have people that are athletic and you get them on the tail end of optimal and they're 750 and they come in and like, Tammy, I really appreciate your care, but I just feel like we're missing something. I'm just, I'm just a little bit shy from where I really want to be. But again that people thing is you can't just look at total testosterone you got to look at all the other hormones too because they never function alone so you have to look at you know your free testosterone dhea estrogen what are all the players doing in this game and um you know is a single number looking optimal but the other ones are terrible or is a single number of, I've had testosterone levels come back and they feel great and it's lower than what I would want. It's like six hundred, but they're free testosterone is 35. And I'm like, well, your body's utilizing what you have really well. <laughs> right. and so you don't need more. Um, yeah. and uh, so I really like to be able to personalize the hormone um, replacement therapy. And, for and that's
0: what that's what's awesome about what you do is you do personalize it and the hormones are no different. And you know it would be interesting on those cases, you know, the one where he needed less, one where he needed more I think one thing that's interesting would be interesting is we hardly ever have it, but what was what were their baseline when they were 30 years old?
1: Right. I have some people come in and they're really young and they're like, well, I want to do hormone testing, but my doctor won't do it because I'm too young. And I'm like, too young for what? To know where you're at right now? <laughs> yeah, to exactly. know where you want to be
0: when right. you're 55? Right. You're never too young to get your hormones checked. That's for right. sure. All right, Tammy, we got to wrap this show up in about a minute. So um, what are your parting words and how can people get a hold of you?
1: I think um, my parting words were would be, you know, don't take your health for granted. It's harder to fix it when it's a hot mess versus just when it's a, a small scratch. So start now and don't wait. Um, and then the way to get a hold of me is by um, our phone number. It's 509-350-8928. Or you can find us online at um, choicehealthwellness.com. Do
0: you have a Facebook page?
1: I do have a Facebook page. And I believe that one's under my name, Tammy Nolan, A-R-N-P. Um, but I'm sure if you put in Choice Health and Wellness, uh, it'll pop up.
0: Okay. So what is the future of, what, what would you like to see your goals over the next um, 10 years?
1: My personal goals?
0: Yeah, no, your, your um, professional goals in your clinic.
1: My professional goals. Um, Well, we didn't, we didn't really touch on this, but uh, pelvic floor and um, women's sexuality is a huge thing. I think that's overlooked a lot where women are told as you age, this is normal, just get used to it. And I think it's a totally underserved area. So that's what I'm working on now is expanding our clinic and those types of areas because um for women that's a huge part of their identity and if it, things aren't working well um, it really affects your life
0: well that sounds like a topic for another radio <laughs> <Yeah>. show
1: <laughs> maybe not maybe. <laughs>
0: well we'd love to have you on i've heard you had some uh, different modalities too that we haven't talked about in your practice so um well we'd love to have you on again (laughs) thank you so So, tammy thanks for being with us you guys have been listening to health solutions with sean and janet needham stay tuned next monday do not miss out next monday 1 to 2 p.m we will have sean baker um author of The Carnivore Diet, on, on, on the phone with us and hopefully streaming via video also. So stay tuned. Next Monday, Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thanks for listening.